At that time some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, told his disciples, go tell that fox. He's talking about Herod. Now, when we talk about Herod, from the Bible point of view and from historical point of view, uh, we, we uh, are given to understand that Herod actually was the king over the land of Palestine until about four years after Jesus was born. So he was king, uh, we understand, approximately 37 or 38 years before that time. Now, he was a, of a family of kings. Actually, the term Herod is going to be attached to several of his descendants. He was, uh, this, this Herod is not Herod the Great that we're talking about just now. But Herod the Great was the beginning of that family. He's the one that we just mentioned that was, that was ruler before Jesus was born. And then he had a son that ruled for about three years after his. He ruled from 4 A.D. to 7 A.D. And then, then he had uh, one of his three sons that were tetrarchs at that time uh, that ruled over three portions of the land of Palestine. And they, one of them was actually called Herod as well. But he was... Uh, this, the Herod the Great was the one who built the temple at Jerusalem, along with several other public works during his tenure as the king of the Jews. He was called the king of the Jews. Herod the Great was not a Jew. He was Nidumean, and his wife was not a Jew either, but she, she claimed some relationship, and uh, she, she uh, claimed to be a Jewish, so she adopted the Jewish religion, which was the Old Testament religion. But uh, he wanted to be the king of the Jews. And therefore, when Jesus was born, it was a, a sort of a, a threat to his throne. He, he wanted to be the king of the Jews. And he was afraid that Jesus, being born in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem, was going to be the king of the Jews. So he, he uh, wanted to have him killed. And that's why Jesus had fled with his family. They'd gone to Egypt. Then after Herod died which was shortly thereafter, then Jesus' family, his mother and father and himself came back, and yet one of his descendants reigned, probably Archelaus, was back on the throne. So instead of them going back to Bethlehem, they went to Nazareth, which was north of, in, in, in Galilee. Now, three, he had three sons that became tetrarchs. These, one of them was called Herod. The other was Philip. You remember... Uh, Herod, this, the, this particular Herod was probably Antipas, 
the one that we're going to deal with now. And uh, he, he, he married his brother Philip's wife, and John the Baptist took issue with that, of course, and confronted him about it and, and uh, actually rebuked him. And so as a result, he, John the Baptist and Herod, Antipas, the one that Jesus is calling a fox, had problems. Now, in Luke chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, this tells us something about that situation. It says, Herod the Tetrarch, now he's called the Tetrarch, he's not called the king of the Jews because his father or his grandfather, or it was his father had left him just part of the kingdom and not and that, that he left him Judea instead of Idumea and so forth. And, and uh, he left the others to the other two sons, so it was divided into three parts. But anyway, uh, Herod was called a tetrarch or a third ruler. He's the one that we're talking about now, Antipas. And it says he was be, being reproved for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for all the evils which Herod had done. He added this above all that he shut up John in prison. So he imprisoned John. If you know the Bible story, you know that John was telling Herod that he had no right to his brother's wife. Matter of fact, that the, uh, Josephus tells us that he used to follow them around through the streets crying about it. Philip did, as uh, Herod and, and his Philip's wife went through the city on the, in a chariot. In Luke chapter 9, verse 7 through 9, it says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed. So now Herod is hearing about Jesus. He wants to know more about Jesus. He's, he killed John the Baptist, but Jesus is on the scene now. And it said it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. So he thought Jesus was John risen from the dead. And of some, he said, some thought that it was Elias the prophet, or that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this? He's asking, who's, who's this Je- who is Jesus? Who is this of, of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. So Herod the Tetrarch, Herod Antipas, was interested in Jesus. What was Jesus' interest? He said, go tell that old fox. Here's what I'm going to do. They warned Jesus and said, watch out because Herod wants to kill you. Well, we're not sure that Herod wanted to kill him. Herod sure wanted to get his hands on him. And so Jesus, instead of being intimidated, he said, go tell that fox. Today and tomorrow I heal and then I'll go I'll go to Jerusalem. Now, when Jesus was taken captive, he would, you remember the story, you, you read the story and you've heard the story, how that uh, Judas Iscariot had betrayed Jesus to the high priest, to the Sanhedrin. And they'd called him in, in for questioning. And after their questioning, they, they, they hit a stalemate. They couldn't go any further. They they, uh, they wanted to accuse Jesus of blasphemy. They wanted to accuse him of speaking against the Old Testament law. They wanted to accuse him of talking about down-talking and downplaying the, the role of the, the temple in Jerusalem. But they had all sorts of accusations. And one of them said, why, why, he even said he could tear this whole thing down and put it back together in three days. So they, they had all sorts of things, but they couldn't agree with what they were saying. And so they were having problems getting down to the point that they could take his life. So in Luke chapter 23, verse 1 through 5, they, they, they initiated another ploy 
plus the fact that they were coming upon what was called a high Sabbath. They were close to the Passover. Jesus had just observed the Passover on that Thursday. And then that night they took him prisoner. But by the time everything was going to play out, the Passover had already gone over, but they were still involved in the Passover feast. It, it took place for seven days. So the Sabbath coming up, which was Saturday, coming up was going to be a high Sabbath, an important one. And they wanted to get this done before that took place. They wanted to take care of Jesus and wash their hands of him, take care of him. But they couldn't get it done. They were, they were afraid of the people. So in order to take care of things, they, they decided to shuffle Jesus over to the Roman authorities. Let them do it. Now, they made a statement in their, in their uh, dealing with Jesus. They said it wasn't, and they told Pilate this. They said, by our law, we can't, we can't take his life. That wasn't true. By their law, they could have. So they lied to Pilate. Anyway, they brought Jesus to Pilate. So in Luke chapter 23, verse 1 through 5, it says, the whole, the whole multitude of them rose and led him to Pilate. So they questioned him, and that's, you remember, that's when Peter was there and he was warming himself by the fire and he, he denied Jesus three times. He was there and everybody was in, that, in the temple area and they were questioning him and trying to get him to say something, do something that they could incite violence and kill him, but they couldn't get it done. So the whole group led him away, led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation troublemaker and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar saying that he himself is Christ a king now they of course they couldn't prove that he was telling people not to pay taxes that's what they're saying that's that's a pretty serious injunction isn't it that they said that he himself is Christ the king so Pilate asked him saying are you the king of the Jews and he answered and said you said it then said Pilate to the chief priest and the people, I find no fault in this man. Now, you have to think about this just a minute. Jesus was not a threat to Pilate. Jesus is not a threat to government. Never has been. Jesus did not come to this earth to change governments. Jesus came to this earth to save souls. But they were trying to get Jesus into a position where they could accuse him of being in opposition to the Roman government. Now, the Roman government was was this pretty pretty easy going toward the nations that they conquered. As a matter of fact, they let the local rulers continue and rule as long as they kept the peace. Pax Romana. They wanted the peace kept. So as long as there wasn't an insurrection and troublemaking, everything was okay. So the Jews were trying to stir up Pilate, make him think that Jesus was an insurrectionist, leading a revolt. So he said, uh, they said, he's, a, he's saying he's a king, which would make no difference to Pilate because there could be kings of all these areas. Herod had claimed to be a king. As a matter of fact, the Roman government had inserted Herod the Great as the king in Judea. Made him the king. So there was, no, there was no conflict between having a local king and Caesar. No problem. So they were having trouble 
trying to make some charging stick, and they were having trouble getting Pilate's ire up, getting to con- being concerned about Jesus. So Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. There's no problem. I don't see a problem. And there wasn't one. And they were more fierce, saying, he stirs up the people. So now then they're saying he's an insurrectionist. He's trying to overthrow the, the government. He's teaching ever throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard that word Galilee, all of a sudden, he got thinking. I've got, a, I've got an enemy up in Galilee. His name is Herod. What I'll do is, I'll, I'll, I'll let Jesus, because Herod was in Jerusalem at that time, because of the feast, he said, I'll, I'll let Herod take a look at him. Okay. Luke chapter 23, verse 6. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. Herod's in town, so he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. He'd been looking for him. You know what Jesus said about that? He said, go tell that fox. I'll be around. Okay. He was desirous to see him for a long season because he had heard many things of him and hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. That was Herod's concern. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes took and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before they were at enemies with one another. Pilate's main concern with Jesus was, were his credentials of being a king of the Jews, that somehow Caesar had inaugurated Jesus as king of the Jews. That was, Herod's, that was Pilate's concern. Had he been recognized by Caesar as the king? So in John 18, verse 33-35, we have this interchange between Pilate and Jesus. Pilate entered in the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? He wanted to get this straight. Jesus answered, Do you say this of yourself or did others tell it to you of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Remember, Pilate's wife told him earlier, he said, she said, have, have nothing to do with this good man. I've had a vision during the night. Been warned. So Pilate was a little bit on edge with this thing because his wife had already told him that this was a dangerous situation he was dipping his toe into. Jesus was not a threat, and Pilate knew it. He wrote this about him in John chapter 19. He wrote a title. He put it on the cross, and the writing was, now look, if, Jesus, if Pilate was concerned about him, why would he write this? Pilate wrote this, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That's what he wrote on a placard to be put over the cross. So Pilate acknowledged it. He was not a threat to Pilate at all. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, three languages, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. That was the 
that was the nature of governors. When they wrote something down, it was that was it. It was not changeable. Now, Jesus told Herod, told his disciples to tell Herod that he was going to walk today and tomorrow. He knew, Jesus knew what he was going to do. Let me see if I can get this up on the screen. Oh, there it is. It's not back here anyway. It's back here. So you can see it. That's all right. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He always knew what he was going to do. Sometimes we're not aware of that, but we need to be, we need to be assessed of the fact that when Jesus was on this earth, he knew exactly what he was intending to do. Now, in Luke chapter 12, verse 49 through 50, he said, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? For I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened until it be accomplished? He said, I'm on, on this course to get it done. I'm rigid, and I'm going to get it done. So Jesus knew when he got here, when he was baptized of John, he knew he had another baptism. He said, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and I'm going to straightway get it done. Now, he reiterated this. Not only did he have a baptism to be baptized with, but he had a cup he had to drink. And he told this to John and, and James' mother, to the two apostles, James and John. He told them, when, when the mother came and asked them, I have a favor to ask you. Would you let my son sit on the right hand and on the left when you sit on your throne? And here's what Jesus replied in Matthew chapter 20, verse 22. He said, you know not what you ask. You're, you're, are you able to drink of the cup that I drink of? To be baptized with the baptism that I baptized with? And they said unto him, we are able. And he said unto them, yeah, you, okay. You can drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism I baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give. It shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. So he said, okay, you can be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were too on the day of Pentecost. Then he said, you can drink the same cup that I'm going to drink of. But they didn't know what that was at that time. But Jesus knew what he was going to drink. He knew it would be a bitter cup. He spoke of it on three different occasions of what was going to happen, basically. I can read these occasions for you in the book of Matthew because Matthew reports all three of them. In Matthew 16, verse 21, it says, From that time forth Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go up to Jerusalem. Now the disciples had warned him, Don't go to Jerusalem. Herod is going to kill you. Jesus said, Go tell that fox I'm going. He said, Jesus said in Matthew 16, I have to go up to Jerusalem, suffer many things the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed. He knew what was going to happen. And be killed. And be raised again the third day. That's the first time. Second time, Matthew 17, verse 22. While they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again, and they were exceeding sorrowful. The third time, Matthew 20, verse 17. Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart. He's going. And he knows what 
is going to happen. Anyway, he took them apart in the way and he said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest, unto the scribes. They shall condemn him to death, shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when the apostles were with him in the garden and he wanted them to stay awake with him and pray, in Matthew 26, verse 38, he said, Then he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He had a cup, and he knew what the cup was. The cup was that he was going to have to die. Okay. And he knew where it was going to happen. I can see mine too now. He knew where. He knew it was Jerusalem. He knew that uh, that's what he said in Luke 13. He said, it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. He knew where it was. If you were in a, in a bad part of a metropolitan area at night, let's say at 1 or 2 in the morning, and there were saloons and bars around. There were people, you could hear people in and out of these saloons. They were drunken, people reveling and so forth. And you were by yourself walking along. And you had to go by a dark alley. And in order to get where you were going, you had to go through the alley by yourself. And you knew for certain that there was probably some thugs in that alley that would molest you. Jesus knew that. Just, just like that, just, just in that same concept. He knew they had walked down that dark alley and there were people waiting there to take his life. He knew where he was going and he knew what was going to happen. Matthew 23, verse 37 through 39 said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you killed the prophets and stoned them to send unto you. How often I would have gathered your ch children together. Even as a hen gathers her chickens under wings, you would not. Behold, your, your house is left unto you desolate. Knowing this being true, Jesus made no attempt to avoid that place. Tell that fox. Jesus knew he was going to Jerusalem. His apostles said, don't go. Herod's going to kill you. He's lurking in the shadows. He's there. If you walk down that path, you will get hurt. Jesus said, tell that fox, I'm going. Okay. And he knew when. That's, that's the thing. When Jesus got to this earth, he knew what was going to happen. He knew where it was going to happen. And he knew when it was going to happen. He knew all those things. And yet, he was not intimidated. Herod did not scare him. Did not frighten him. Jesus knew that he was going to, going to have to face his torment, tormentors. And he knew when that was going to happen. On one occasion, his own brothers came to him and told him, don't go to Jerusalem. It was, as a matter of fact, they, they, told, they warned him to go to Jerusalem. The others said not to go to Jerusalem, but his brothers said, how, how, why don't you go to Jerusalem? But Jesus knew when his hour was, and he knew when he should be going. In John chapter 7, verse 6 through 8, Jesus said unto them, my time has not yet come. Notice. 
That meant that he knew when the hour was. He knew when it was going to happen. He was not under any false impression or misimpression that it was not going to happen. He said, The world cannot hate you, but me it hates, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. He said, Go you up to this feast. I will not go up unto this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. So they wanted him to go up at a certain time. He said, No, I'm not going. My time is not yet. Of course, he was in danger even at that time. John 16, 32, he told the, his apostles, Behold, the hour comes. He knew the hour. Not just the day, he knew the hour. He said, The hour is now come. You shall be scattered, every man to his own, and you, you shall leave me alone, for I am not alone, but my Father's with me. So he, he wasn't concerned. John 17, 1, talking to the apostles again, it said, These words spoke Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. The hour is come. He knew when it was. During the final week before the cross in John 12, 23, Jesus said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. John 12, 27, He said, Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause I came unto this hour. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when He came the third time to His apostles, when they were, He was praying, He said, Sleep now. They were asleep. He said, Sleep now. Take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Go tell that fox, he said. Go tell that fox. God anointed Jesus and put him in his own throne. Go tell that fox. Why would Jesus be intimidated by a man who thought he was a king? Herod was not a king. He was a tetrarch. Pilate was a governor. Caesar was a king, maybe. Caesar, Caesar was the, the, the supreme ruler in Roman territory. But Jesus wasn't concerned. He wasn't intimidated by kings, by rulers. Because God was going to make him the king of the universe overall. Now in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 through 9, it says, Unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, wherever we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Jesus was not intimidated by Herod, or by Pilate, or by Caesar, because Jesus was going to be crowned king of the universe. He wasn't concerned. He said, Now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He went into the grave in humility and he came out in honor and glory. He now rules over heaven and earth. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are you a king? Pilate asked. Jesus said, you said it. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That would be our eyes. 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him in his own right hand far above in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come. He has put all things under his feet, gave him be the head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Jesus was not intimidated by Herod and should not have been, was not. His name is known throughout all the world, throughout all peoples, the name of Jesus. But the name of Herod, I talked to you about some things of Herod you may not have known. Most people know very little about Herod. Some scholars, some students of the Bible know something about Herod, but his name is faded, it's gone. It's almost blotted out from the pages of history. There's just very few indications. The Bible preserves his, his name probably better than any other document in history. The Bible preserves it, not, not the document of men, but who knows anything about Herod? Who cares anything about Herod? But the name of Jesus is here, and it's eternal, and it's had been, it has been, and it's known throughout the world, the name of Jesus. Who knows Herod? Nobody. Who can even recite the names of past and present kings and potentates throughout the world? But everybody knows the name of Jesus because he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. His kingdom is unlike the kingdoms of this world. That's what Herod asked. He said, are you a king? And Jesus said, my king kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. And it's not. The one who prevailed at that day and age was not Herod. It was not Pilate. It was not Caesar. It was Jesus. Now, the kings of this world rule by force. Jesus rules by compassion. The kings of this world rule through intimidation. Jesus rules by grace. The kings of this world rule with retribution against their adversaries. Jesus rules with forgiveness. The kings of this world rule with fear. Jesus rules with love. The kings of this world rule with greed. Jesus rules with generosity. The kings of this world demand respect and loyalty. Jesus inspires it. The kings of this world build empires. Jesus builds character. Go tell that fox. I'll be there. Should be no fear. And we can tell that fox the same thing. You know, Jesus did not die on the cross and rise again from the grave to make this world a better place for you to live. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, to make you a better person to live in this world. God help you know more about him who knows us, loves us, has no fear, and tells you to have no fear. He has overcome the world. Let's stand and sing our song of invitation and close this together. <laughs>